You're listening to the After The Show podcast, the weekly movie review show from your friends at ascully.com. So this week, Sid Talk, I um, you framed my Club Nintendo prize. Correct. So if you have if you want some video game art and this is still available and you've got some Nintendo points, <laughs> go to clubnintendo.com. And this thing that I got is it? It's called the History of Handheld Gaming, as seen from Nintendo's side of the fence, though, because it doesn't include anybody else. But it's like little postcards that are pastel coloured with each handheld game that they've made throughout the years starting with the like um game and watch and ending with the nintendo 3ds and uh it's little postcards there are 16 12 12 <laughs> yeah 12 <laughs> 12 of them um and they're cool looking and i thought when i ordered them we could put them in a frame and it would make a nice piece of video game art you Perfect. framed it this week Correct. And it does make a nice piece of video game art. And I've got a picture of it on Twitter and Facebook if you want to go and look at it. But I'm saying thank you to you for framing it. Thank you. And I have had it sat there for a long time and I kept thinking, that's going to look good in a frame. But I couldn't envision it fully. But I really like it. You're welcome. So thank you. I won't tell them the full first story. First, the whole story. Because the first thing you said about it was that you weren't going to like it. No, but now it's, it's mm, growing. Yeah, but the very first thing after I spent about an hour and a half of doing it, your very first reaction was, what? Oh. Why is there more space at the bottom? That's going to bug me. It's going to bug me. You know that's going to bug me. That was the first reaction I had from you for almost two hours. Then you said, oh, now I like it. So I'm just putting that out there. And I was trying to be nice. So Nice about what? Oh, I appreciate your thinking. I'm just giving the whole story. It's not all rosy, rosy all the time. <laughs> I um, like it. Yeah, I would make it. What, not you're, what you're actually talking about, which these people do not know unless they see it, is um, it, it's if when you put something in a frame, you can get it even, top and bottom. You made it not even because mm-hmm. you don't like even things. It's not because I don't like even things. I like when I frame something if it's got lots of straight lines for there to be more space somewhere than somewhere else. I don't like. Well, I don't like perfection anyway, but doesn't look visually. It looks really boring to me. So I gave it about an inch more at the bottom than at the top of whiteness. So um, this is uh, after the show. What was our before the show discussion? That was it. That was our, no. Was that, it? The before the after the show discussion was this movie. Yeah. So <laughs> that that discounts that. So that's why I changed it. So it's a Saturday, August the twenty fifth, two thousand and twelve. This is after the show number two hundred and thirty eight. The weekly podcast which we uh, review movies on. Correct. Sid Talk, A Scully, SidTalk.com, A Scully.com. Go there, learn about us. <laughs> so, the movie we're looking at this week is The Hunger Games, the Blu ray edition. This is like the two disc normal edition. There's all kinds of special editions out there with mocking J pins and all kinds of stuff, but we're just looking at the bog standard two disc Blu ray edition. Uh, it's a 2012 movie released on Blu ray on the 18th of August, so just this week. Or last week, a week ago. Uh, it's a PG-13. The tagline to the movie is, The World Will Be Watching. It's from our friends at Lionsgate. And uh, we're looking at the Blu-ray, and Sid Talk is going to give you the synopsis of The Hunger Games. Hmm. It is a story about a world, or at least a country, where they've had a war in the past, 
an uprising, and now, 75 years later, the only way to keep everyone in check and from a not uprising again is to hold these Hunger Games, which is each district has to sacrifice, essentially, two young people, boy and a girl. Then they put them all together, 24 of them, in a... Uh, what's it called? Uh, they put it out on a TV show, and they battle to the death. It's Battle Royale, basically, but everybody's watching. And then the last kid standing gets lots of money, and then it's basically to keep everybody in fear, I guess... Of the government, because if they can do this, they can do anything. And then it's just the story of the one girl, young lady, who, her, kind of following her through it. And then it dabbles in the politics, and it dabbles in the culture of being so afraid of this big monolithic... It doesn't even seem like a government to me, but this, oh, whatever, controlling faction or controlling something or other. I didn't, I don't get it. It's but. the government. Right, but I don't know that. It doesn't seem like that to me. It seems like something a little more, uh, I don't know, removed from that even. But, and that's what it is basically, following her through this trek of it. So uh, going on to the movie, we'll give you some spoiler warnings here because there'll be some spoilers of the movie. If you don't want this movie spoiled, don't listen. Go away. Don't read the book. (laughs) Come back some other day. Or come back when you've seen this movie. Or read the book. Um, So also I want to disclose that I have read the book. And also read all of the books. And you are not familiar with the uh-uh. books at all. Um, apart from what I may have told you when I was reading them. But I don't know if you... Tiny bit. I remember yeah. little blimps here and there. Uh, so you're not familiar with the books. Um, so we've got two different perspectives, which is good for this movie. So let's start off with the movie. Um, the Hunger Games, the first in this trilogy. Um, what did you think? What did you think? You read the books. Okay, so I've read the books. Um, I really enjoyed this movie a lot. I've been excited to see it since it came on the theatres and we didn't see it on the theatres. I've been excited for this Blu-ray release because I really wanted to see it because I've read the books. Um, I really, really liked it a lot because I know the material and I enjoyed the book. Um, So, yeah, I liked it. I I can tell you what I liked and what I didn't like. Um, I liked the cast a lot. I think they got a really good cast for this. Everything seemed to fit fine to me. Um, I liked... This is a thing. I don't know if anybody's ever mentioned this. But I liked how low budget it actually feels. And and I'm not saying that because... I'm not saying it's like some indie, small, tiny, one million dollar movie. Because it's a huge movie. But it could have been... A bigger thing. And that was one of the things... When I envisioned the movie in my mind after reading the book... It was... Special effects extravaganza... Um, very glossy, very high... Dollar. Why? Just, I guess the way the book is... The book uh, played in my mind... When I, when I envision it... It, all, it doesn't seem like the way this guy made it. Um, and he made it in a smaller, kind of more personal way. I don't but, see lots of opportunity for special effects. Um, except for the one box, thing. obviously different, yeah. as we've discussed just before this. Um, I get you. And there's a lot more... There's a lot of detail and a lot of things that are shown that are not shown in this movie. I don't know if it's to keep the budget down or he just wanted a different style. He but said, it, he explained, didn't he? About it. Wanting yeah, to keep it more... Personal. Yeah. 
I didn't expect that personally. I expected Hollywood um, Star Wars or something huge, like uh, the way the city the way oh. the city is explained, and they keep it to a minimum. Like you see a shot of the city, you... yeah. I kind of like that because it. I know it. Some people would like more special effects and more of the city, but I liked the way they show this train. This awesome train that's explained in a movie that goes 200 miles an hour and doesn't make a noise. You're on it, there's no noises. And then, as it rolls up to the city, they talk about that in great depth, how the pizza looks out the window and sees the city, and they explain the city. Well, it's like done in like five seconds. Yep. It's like the smallest effect shot possible. It's like, here's the city, one, two, three, we're in a tunnel. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's where I felt like there was cost-cutting kind of going on. But, for the better... Because I actually liked that because it was like, wow, that's amazing. Don't smoke and mirrors me. Yeah, don't don't, yeah. don't just keep like showing me the special effects because that's not really what this is about. It's a people story, you know. Um, so I really liked it, but what I'm going to say is, and I, I've read the books, so my mind was in fill-in mode while yep. I was watching the movie. And you can't avoid that because you know the story. And uh, I wasn't in the mode where watching the movie where I was going, ah, they left that out. Oh, ah, I wish they'd have done that. wish they'd done that. I didn't do any of that while I was watching it. I just had this thing where, and you're going to mention this when you come into your part, <laughs> where when they nod at something in the movie, which they do, they do this thing in the movie where they show you something give you no explanation for it but if you've read the book two chapters of the book instantly go into your head and you're like haha cool yeah and you go ah oh, right. and I'll just mention one thing the cat in Katniss's house at the beginning you see the cat for like a tenth of a second it's it's a throwaway like there's a cat well that cat has a lot of story behind it it's mentioned in the book and it's joked upon and now, you, as a viewer, get none of that. Nothing. I get all of it immediately. I have no reason... Because the cat snarls at her. She yeah. says, I could cook you too. And I'm thinking, well, cook it then. I mean, if you... if you, But even then, I'm not... I'm not a, Because of the way the movie's put together, I'm not even that cued into how... That they're even hungry. So, But if you've read the book, um, there are lots of those things. There are lots of things where you go, oh, yeah, I remember the whole backstory to that. But I all guess that, we're not getting yeah, it here. And then all that... You don't even think that, probably. It all just floods into your mind, yeah. and then you're and fills satisfied. In. So, the movie and the book, as companion pieces, work perfectly. If you've read the book, and then you watch the movie... This is my opinion, from having seen both, done both things. It's like, the movie works perfectly, because all the gaps are filled in by Suzanne Collins's text. In your mind, it just comes back. So, as a... You, as a person who only sees the film, what's your um, take? Not knowing any of the book, because yeah. I didn't tell you. No, or... I know nothing. And, I mean, I knew the premise, but that was it. Um, Which is a good premise, by the way. Overall, I enjoy the movie because I like the concept of us telling a story that's pointing at an overbearing government, and here's one way that it can pan out that a government is um, controlling the citizenry. I like that. I don't know what that's called, but I like that, you know, the big brother concept sort of kind of. It's not really, but that I like. 
the look of the movie I like kind of but I disagree with the director I don't like the shaky cam and the following her around and the personal view I didn't really I felt like it was a little bit okay I get it we're we're supposed to feel in the middle of things that kind of threw me off um, I just felt like it was a little bit I don't know too I don't know see I generally distracting. don't I generally don't like the shaky cam it was thing distracting and complain, but in this I, it didn't bother me right and it was distracting to me at times it wasn't over use or anything but as far as the look of the movie then I have to think of, as I'm watching it, scene to scene, moment by moment, there's so many jumps and skips and, like, what? 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 That, that didn't make any sense. What was that? Why Why doesn't she just... What is it with the cat? And then we never see the cat again. What is it with the pen? What? Who cares about some old lady giving you a pen? Why is it meaningful now? Well, you love your sister. You did a little... But then that means nothing to me. I mean, the pin means nothing to me. I couldn't couldn't care any less about the pin. It, means, um, it has no background. Let me it just has say no... it. The third movie, the third book is called Mockingjay. Right. So, so obviously... But, but that doesn't matter to <laughs> no, me. No, and, yeah. and I'm not saying that you have to get to the third movie to, for that to mean anything. In the first book, the pin is everything almost. Like, right. it, it's very explained. And to me, there's nothing to it. Plus, it means she doesn't get it from an old lady. It has no has no background, has no real meaning other than she's given it a little bit of, like, you know, give it to so-and-so and say, this is good luck or this will protect you. And that still doesn't mean anything to me, really. I don't understand the dynamic of the family. I get, you know, these are those little things that I had to, that I can explain to you that... I get that she's protective of her sister. And then I immediately understand, when she does what she does in the beginning, that she is an altruistic. I am going to do what I can to to be a good, decent human being, to help other people, to protect people, to, you know, I'm out, I'm out there. I am the person who's going to do what's right for everybody. And yet... Later, the director explains that's not how she's supposed to be at all. That she's supposed to be really guarded and only out for herself. And I get none of that. Because I'm thinking, here's a girl who even opposed... what all this oppression is... You know, they try to really heavy-hand heavy-hand it to you that they're oppressed. Because it's Depression-era clothing. It's De- Depression-era... Desaturated colors. Yeah, it's like all the pictures you've ever seen of the Dust Bowl from the 30s in America where everybody's all sunken in, skinny, and really old and wrinkly, and they're wearing, like, you know, sack potato dresses, potato sack dresses, and the little white socks with the black clunky shoes because that's what the government doled out to you if you needed shoes. I get it. They're oppressed. They're downtrodden. They're probably struggling. Blah. I get it. But it's really heavy-handed. I mean, it's, like, right in your face. However... I'm still not. I have no. In, I have no clue why they're putting up with it. I don't. I don't see any shows of force anywhere. I don't see soldiers everywhere. I don't see any. There's no even one little split scene of a of a citizen trying to do something out of step, and somebody come along and slicing their head off or anything to where that makes everybody so depressed and sad and like just looming around. Like we're going to the coal mine. These are things I'm thinking of as I'm watching it. I'm like, okay. Okay, I get it. I just have to piece it together. I do agree that at the beginning of the movie... Um, it skips too quick for me. Yeah, to... well, even even knowing some of the scenes that are missing there and seeing the movie, um, I do agree that, yes, they all look depressed and downtrodden. There's no reason given for it. Um, not to me as the Not yet, not, yeah. not immediately. But then 
you you immediately see that the whole place is electric fenced and you're not supposed to leave these but then she just slips through it yep. no problem at all with no explanation she slips through she has a set of clothing that just look like um laura croft just went to the store and bought her a bunch of black clothes and and a nice bow and went out to hunt and so these are things i'm i'm not getting anything from it except this very superficial Here's a girl with her sister. She loves her sister. She knows how to hunt. Um, that's going to be useful in the future. I've ticked it away in my head. She cares about her sister. She finds the pen at the flea market thing or whatever, the little market. And they're explaining now that they're going to have to go for this hunger game. They the, explain that right. The reaping. The kind of Is explained with the text at the beginning. Yeah, very briefly. Yeah. <laughs> And then they kind of give you the little um, propaganda films. You, and, oh, right, okay, so there was a war, and they were uprising, and now they're not supposed to. Okay, okay, okay. But, well, I'm thinking, but there's no other show of force anywhere. I don't, what's the power of this government that's so oppressive that these people are what they are? Okay, well, the Hunger Games are horrific. It's a horrific concept. You send your children to kill each other. And everyone revels in it. And this is a show of force. How? That if we can do this, we can... I don't know. I'm still piecing it together. So then as you go through the movie, I'm there's hints of everything. A hint at this and a hint at that. The relationship between her and Peter is barely touched upon. I don't ever buy that he likes her. I don't ever gather... I don't ever am convinced... Other than the fact that they're forced into this very stressful situation with each other, that there's a history there. I feel like they were trying to I be, don't know the history no, of his family with her Well, family. I feel like they were trying to be cagey with it in the movie. So you might think double crossing, is he does he like a, is he just saying that? Is he blah blah blah? I think it, I think Oh, I didn't get any of that at all. See that's what I No knowing the back of it, I was thinking, well maybe they're just trying to like miss Well here's what I thought from the beginning. He's definitely gonna be on her side. They're together. He's already explained through the training and portion, that's kind of an interesting portion as well. The training thing where they're at this camp, I'm assuming they want to give the illusion of making it fair because there are going to be children who have never been trained and then they have the one district where they train the kids their whole life the for day. this. But they're giving them four days or two weeks or whatever of training and preparing. This is what how you survive and this is how you fight. And that's kind of, that's kind of a cool concept to throw in there. But then I was thinking, if this government's so fucking horrific... They're not going to give them two weeks of training. They're going to take it. They're going to suck them out of their town. They're going to throw them in a big area. The, the and that's training it. is also televised. So I think it's just to give them right. more of a show. Like you Right. Know. And that's another horrific side of it is that it's all televised and it's all part of like you get sponsors to give you stuff and you have to win the cover of the public and the public sitting there watching you bash each other's brains out in this sort of like futuristic, what's it called? Dystopian thing where... We've all accepted, yeah, like, like gladiator, gladiator, Running Man or whatever, but Gladiator or, where, yeah, you... Like, we want to watch people to kill each other, yeah. Exactly. And that is, that it's like, da, 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 da. look at everybody and, oh yes, well, 23 of you are going to die, but one of you will become rich. And that's, and, well, that's the thing I really like about the concept. I like that. And that's, to me, at the end of it all, I enjoy it. It looks really nice. I really liked her a lot. We'll talk about the cast in a minute. But I had to fill in everything with my own brain or piece things together more because the movie is for you. It's not for me. 
whether they say it or not, it's not for the person who hasn't seen the book. It's to encourage me to read the book, maybe. Mm-hmm. I think so, But too. that isn't what a movie is about. And I should be able to sit there and watch that movie and completely understand the backstory of the cat, understand the backstory of the pen, understand the relationship between her family and Peter's family, understand that that one boy's her boyfriend. I have no clue of that. They're sitting on a hillside. They never kiss. They don't do anything. They're just talking to each other. But yet, I, I would say my know, friend's love interest, I would say. Right. But yeah, me, it's not even... To me, it's the, just that these are two young people in this bad situation, and they kind of, they are, you know... Kind there's of, a bit of love between them. Uh, but to me, romantic. there isn't. Yeah, there, I don't think there is no, in the movie. to me, there isn't. There's, like, um, he's got a completely different idea about life than she does, and as you go through it, then you're hinting at me also about politics... And the way it works, and you've got—I don't even know who the—who's—is he the president? Yeah, Snow? President Snow. Yeah. I thought they said that once, but I wasn't hundred percent sure. So he's the president. Obviously, he is a representative of a of a bigger faction of the whole conglomerate of government, yeah. right? But he's the only one we see. Yeah. And then trickles down to the guy who runs the show and the people who run the the television thing and all yeah, that. Like- and but I don't have any other. I don't feel the threat of this government. I am sitting there questioning, why are these people... You give me no indication of how brutal it is, other than the Hunger Games. I haven't seen anyone punished for trying to escape. I haven't seen anyone punished for trying to speak out against the Hunger Games. No one does speak out. No one protests. No one stands up at the beginning of the reaping process, which is where all the kids come together and she pulls the names out of the jars... No one, there's no protest, there's not even one person who stands up other than this young woman who, you know, her only protest is to volunteer, basically. But I don't see the fear other than the... It's actually really interesting, because at the beginning, when uh, Katniss slips out through the fence, and she's talking with, uh, I always forget his name. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. Boyfriend dude. (laughs) Love interest. In the woods. And then they, uh, like a spaceship comes uh, comes over. Mm-hmm. It's not a spaceship, but it's a, what would you call it? As a floating... Hover ship of yeah. some kind <laughs> from the government. Comes over and they kind of cower in the bushes, afraid of it. Well, that doesn't make any sense to a non-book nope. reader. Zero sense Apart whatsoever. from, I was thinking, if I haven't read the book, why is that there? Okay, they're not supposed to have slipped through the fence. So it's the government drone watching them or something. Now, in the book, it's made very clear what happens to you if you slip through the fence. And that is the catalyst for what is going to happen to you. But I see no punishment for going through no. the fence. Well, I see no damage. I see no. I need to see nothing except they get under a tree. Right, and I don't know why they didn't show some. I don't know why they didn't have a scene where they didn't sh- where they show somebody slip through the fence and then get yeah. done by this thing. I didn't. Don't know why they didn't show that. I'm not seeing Time, the oppression I enough. I mean, it should be enough that you say, well, every year they have this spectacle. However, it isn't It isn't like they come and drag the children out of their houses and they chain them up and that they, you know, there's nothing like that. All Everyone just... I mean, it feels grim when they're... It's grim, yeah. but it isn't, it isn't presented in a way, to me, I don't understand... Even now, you could tell me all day long what the book tells me, and I go, oh, that makes sense, but it shouldn't work that way. No, it shouldn't. You know? So you think, as a film... As a film on its own, it's 
good and it's superficial. And of course, anyone can just gather like, oh, this is really shitty, and oh, she needs to stand up for something, and she needs to win yeah, the Hunger it's, Games. It's, that makes it's flimsy on that level, right? Yes. Whereas all the meat of it is in the book. So Correct. it is if it's a if there's a movie that's a great advertisement to go and read the book, <laughs> yes. it's this one. <laughs> exactly. Because I know everybody says, Oh, I've read the book of that movie, it's much better. I've read the book of this it's much better. Well the book to this is almost like a companion. It's like No, the book exists and then the movie. I think you could made. do it both ways. I think you could have, like me, read the book and then see the movie and it works that way. But then your way where you would see the movie and then read the book it would work ultimately for you as well once you got to the end of the book you'd be like okay I feel the whole picture now but that you're right as a screenplay that's not what should happen yeah I'm not a book reader no so I shouldn't be required to read the book of a movie I should be able to watch a movie that is what it is and get it and I do get it and you do get it because simps but it's like watching it's like it's like sitting around a table with a family who's been a family, you know, for generations, and they're telling all these little stories and these little jokes and all these little in comments about, oh, of course you like the biscuit, ha ha ha. And you're going, what What about the biscuit? What do you think? Yeah. Well, why do you like, is there a funny story about the biscuit? Did you Did you make biscuits when you were in kindergarten? I don't get it. I can I'm, imagine that. Is that I am the outsider, and no one has considered, other than on a very superficial level, that... I'm going to be experiencing this. So, story. The Hunger Games is a film made for the fans of the book. I believe so. I believe so also. I, Regardless of what the director says, he's full of shit if he doesn't see that he's lost a bit of he that. He said that he process. made it for himself. Uh, he to... And he and the producer said anyone can watch this movie, it's going to make sense to me. Mm-hmm. Superficially. But the interesting part of the movie is in the book the, Correct. the meat and potatoes part. The part that. Almost like its soul was ripped out. Yes, it's very And its soul, soul is on absolutely. the page. I was going to say that. It's very empty to me. Yeah. Because I don't feel the pain, and I don't even feel... It's hard... I can think of the concept of sending a 12-year-old out against an 18-year-old who is dead set on murdering everyone to get his to get through the game. And there are moments it's horrific, really good. But it isn't even horrific enough the way it's presented to me. It's Maybe because I'm down. jaded. If I was 12 and watching it, yeah, it would scare the shit out of me. But I'm not. So I can watch it and go, it's a terrible concept. I need a bit more grit and a bit more... I don't know. But it is a little bit empty. Yes, that's a good way to put it. And yet it has so many details. That is the world exists and the concept. I'm, I'm, it's rich and it's kind of lush of a lot of things, you know. And yet... It's just got a little bit of that I'm the outsider kind of feeling. But that's also possibly a great thing because you're going to get a lot of kids now who hear about this movie, The Hunger Games, never never read the book. Maybe they're not that big a reader. They see this movie and then people talk about I don't think it's a great thing at all. I think a movie should be a movie and a book should be a book. Right, I don't well, think I mean, it should be an advertisement it, for a book. Right, yeah, and that's possibly so no, how I it could come across. I don't think it's a great thing. And I, I do um, recommend if you see the movie... Or I it's recommend, a bad precedent. I recommend you read the book first and then see the movie. Um, that is the way to do it. Then and, you know the end. <laughs> well, don't have to read all three of the books. You can read the first book. I know, but you know the whole thing. Well, and, th- and that doesn't matter because... Some things are changed, as it I said to, to you. Me. No, it didn't matter to me. Some things are changed, um, quite drastically from the book, and I and he actually caught me by surprise. 
which was interesting because I didn't expect to be caught by surprise apart from what visually they chose to yeah. show me. But actual story arc kind of changes a little bit at, at one point. Um, so I was still surprised as a reader of the book and I assume that's intentional because they thought, well, everybody's read the book who sees this, as you probably think they have yep. said. Let's change a couple of things up to even give them a surprise. So they did do that. It's not... It's to do, you know... I told you what, what the big surprise yeah. is. What? You mean the... That one? No. Oh. The um, <laughs> room, close the doors, yeah. man goes in. That's not a big surprise. It's a big surprise if you've... But it was nothing in the book. Yeah, but it's, so it it's, a, it's, a, it's a new thing that's like, oh, really? That happened? Because, as we know, Suzanne Collins, the author of the book, actually sat in a room with yeah. Gary Ross. and So it's a new piece of Hunger Games thing for you to consume as the... Right. So that's the big surprise. Um, I just I think it's a bad precedent to say, even to say, oh, it's a good thing that this will encourage you to read the book because parts are missing. Because then what are we going to get in the future? Movies that have lots of gaps and holes and that's meant for you to then go buy the book and read it. I mean, I don't get I'm that I'm sure concept. this has happened before. It's like the movie is a trailer for the book. And right. It doesn't... I, I don't care if it's happened before. It doesn't work for me in terms of being just a movie lover person. It's good and I enjoy it and I'll be interested to see how the story goes. But I want to see how another director handles interpreting it to me as a film person, not a book person. Now, as we, um, Gary Ross is not directing the next two because it's got a new... So maybe it will be more... Maybe the complaints that are, people have said... Because you can't be the only one. Um, I know most people like this movie, but they've probably read the book. The I'm not really who... complaining, because I don't think it's bad. It is... Well, I don't mean complain. I mean... It's like makes the movie neutral instead of what could be really good. And so I'm not. it's not bad at all. It's not a complaint. It is that... I think it's because it's a really fun movie. I mean, it's, it's, it's actually fun and gripping. Um... Just the concept alone, to me, is gripping. Like, it's... I don't think it is for me. Because I've already figured out in my mind, she's the star of the show, and... Right. There's not... She's not gonna drop dead... I mean, you figure dead. that out on page one of the book, also. Right, but I'm watching the movie, and I'm like, she's not gonna drop dead in the middle of it. And as soon as you introduce characters to me on a very, very basic storytelling level, they're not going to make it, and these people are. So I've erased any feeling of, like, anticipation... Or all I really want to get to is the meat of the politics of it and the whole of it. So Which I guess you will get to missing. in the next movie. Right, but Hopefully. I don't want more movies. Yeah. For to explain one movie. You always say that. I don't want this three movies. No, I'm shit. saying this, <laughs> I'm saying this is already three books, so I get it, but as I'm watching a movie, it should be able to stand on its own without a book, without right, a Right, But sequel. you watch Lord of the Rings. Right, and and the, you had to wait till the second one. Too. I don't have to wait for anything because that movie I watched the beginning of it. It could stand on its own. I, it's not to me. It wasn't missing anything. I think this could. It could this have stands stopped. on its own too. I disagree because I am left with all these questions about this particular portion. This story doesn't fully make sense to me because I can feel that things are missing. That's why I don't feel like it was made to stand alone. And I don't like the concept of, well, watch this one and read the book and watch the next three, two movies. Because, I don't know, I'm just old school, I guess. I don't, I don't like that presentation of these bits of entertainment, really. 
If it's going to be three movies... Obviously, because it's three books. I'm saying any story, if you're going to tell it over three movies, each of those movies needs to be singular. And to me, they really are. It isn't, though. Because you know everything, and yeah, I don't. But they're very singular. So, like, your point of view will never be pure, as mine is, in terms of No, I'm saying they're anything. very singular. Like, like they do... They are separate. You could read them separately. And understand... But I'm not talking about the books. I'm talking about the movie. Right, well, I'm, I'm assuming the book... The new... The old movies will continue the story and present... But all the things I've been saying, you say, well, yeah, well, maybe they're going to cover that the next one. Then the next one, they might fill that in. Well, they might give you a little more detail about that in the next one. I don't... I don't get that concept. I've watched a movie. I don't want to wait for the next movie to tell me about this movie. Well, Lord of the Rings is the same. Like, they bleed into me, each though. other. Well, it wasn't did. to me, but it wasn't to me. No, I'm, I'm, saying, saying. I'm saying they took bits out of one book and f- then fed them to you in the second movie instead of in the book you would have already had that right, information. Right, but each of those movies is a, is a singular experience for me. I don't need the others to go with it. I don't need... I'm not missing anything in my mind. I feel the impact of all the story. You know what I mean? Like, I don't... I didn't feel that when I was watching those. I think you've got, in this movie, the story of the 75th Hunger Games, though. Which is what the first book covers. You've got it. Well, I don't know that that's what this movie's about. To me, this movie's about this country that's ripped apart. By right, some... but right, but the I'm event saying to you, is that. But you think it's that. Yeah. Because you've read the book. Right. I think this movie is about... A country ripped apart by factions, they're in districts, and they're oppressed by a government that's overpowering. How do we resolve that? That's all I'm thinking of when I'm watching it. And it doesn't get resolved. So you wouldn't recommend it to somebody who haven't read no, the book? I have no, nothing like that. I would say watch it and see what you think for yourself. Right. Um, so I don't I, connect it to the book the way you do, because I haven't read it, and I don't like that concept. But. I do, and I like it in this case, because... They work as if you're together very well, and I know that's not supposed to be the case, but I believe between what I've read and what I've seen, it's a. Very but if a book can exist on its own, it can. If a if it can't, oh, it can. Then what I'm saying, if you're reading a book, and as you when you're done with that book, but not these a book. And all you're thinking is, I don't get it. This doesn't make sense to me, and that's missing, and that's missing. Then that book isn't stand, doesn't it isn't well written or put together. Do you mean if you read a book and then you're thinking after you've read it, okay, I have to see the movie now to piece no, the whole thing subtract together. movies. I'm, no, not even thinking about movies. I'm saying if a piece of it, if a story is being told to you, and by the end of it, whether it's a movie or a book, and you're done with it, and you just feel this thing that I have of. But that and that didn't didn't make it doesn't make sense that they're this way and that was never explained and that was never revisited and this isn't resolved and this isn't resolved and that isn't resolved. Then that book or that movie is not fully thought out. But if you go, oh yeah, but there's three books and there's going to be three movies, that explains it. No, it doesn't. It should. It doesn't. It's not a package deal to me. You know, maybe this is a new way we're going with entertainment, but it doesn't make sense to me. It just doesn't. Like, I'm not there yet, I suppose. Right. That's like saying you've done a painting, right? But parts of it are missing. And then three months, we're going to do another painting, and that painting is going to make sense to you. Right. It doesn't make any sense, does it? Like, 
So that's how I feel well, about they, it. Well, they're just converting three books into three movies, right? So they, if unless they do them all at once and show them all to you as a nine-hour movie, you go and see three movies immediately. That's not what I'm talking this about. This is the way it has to but be. But the story of this book, in this movie, if I read the book, it should be like, that book is encapsulated in itself. There needs to be no follow-up. There needs to be no other book to go with it. I'm satisfied fully with the way this story went. The arc of all the people. The story got resolved. I feel like there is an ending, good or bad. There is a resolution to this story. Not, oh, you've just opened a big door for me at the end, and now I have to wait for more. In order for me to now fully experience this first, quote-unquote, part of the story. Like, I don't think you'll understand what I don't get. I know what the ending of this movie... Because you totally... You consume this whole idea, and I don't, so... And I know what the ending of this movie made me want to do. Go and pick up my um, Catching (laughs) Fire book and read it again, the second one. Just read it, like, now again, like, because... You know, because I read it a year ago. I read it all, all three books in one big chunk. Yeah. It's all a bit hazy of which fit where and what fit where. It makes me want to go and read Catching Fire again, so I probably will. Yeah, actually. and that's how I feel right now. What goes where and what fits where. Because I don't have any... I don't have... I've got, like, an introduction, and that's how they're doing them now. Here's your introduction, here's your middle, here's your end. But your introduction is one movie, your middle is another movie, and your end is another. I didn't like it with The Matrix. I didn't particularly... And each of those movies, too, can stand on their own, as long as you... You know, buy into each one separately, but I think the third, the third Matrix movie doesn't make a ton of sense if you haven't seen the other two. I, I, I think it's, I think it's. Well, you're not invested in the fe- people. If you'd be you quite lost. I think you'd be like, oh, holy shit, what's happening? Because it, it's not very explained. I, I watched them again on Blu-ray, and it doesn't even explain at the beginning. There's no text or anything. It's just like the Matrix, the revolutions, the Matrix revolutions. Bang, you're in. Like, hopefully, you've been here before because we're going now. Right. Um, so I don't feel like they stand alone. You need to have been in there for the whole thing. I have to see it again, but I don't remember feeling that at the time. But you had seen them all. I mean, you yeah, had it true. all. So, but I did watch them recently. I, I do feel that that's third one. Second one, maybe not, but the third one, you'll be at a loss if you've just let me just like I've never seen the Matrix. Everybody said the third one's good. Let me watch the third one now. I think it would be a bit messy. Right. You know. Um, so let's get on to the cast of The Hunger Games. Jennifer Lawrence plays uh, Katniss Everdeen. I, this is the thing for me, right? I read three books of Katniss Everdeen and I had a picture of her in my mind. Um, I know it isn't. It wasn't a picture of Jennifer Lawrence, but she's really close. <laughs> so that's good casting for me. And her attitude is exactly right. Um, did you like her? Yeah, very much. She's... I don't know... I don't know if I thought of somebody slightly younger than her, though. I'm not sure how old she is. Is she 20, maybe? I don't oh, know. I don't know. Um, but she, I think she plays the part really good. There's, it's quite... It's a complicated thing she has to do. Because she has to show different levels of... She has to show, like, this thing at the beginning with her family, and then this confusion thing of, like, okay, I'm going in this Hunger Games thing. Yeah. What's all this shit? What? what? How do I... Yeah. Like, I have to... I'm suddenly Survive. in the lap of I'm, well, no. I'm suddenly in the lap of luxury for a few weeks. There's this weird, yeah, you know, excess thing, and you know, it's it, there's all this, and then I'm thrust into a forest. And I've, but that's the thing. She that's another thing that uh, didn't confuse me, but I didn't get the 
yes, they're presented with this very opulent lifestyle all of a sudden. However, she doesn't indulge in it whatsoever. So I don't ever think of it as what a change for her. She wanders around in still very plain clothing. She doesn't partake of any of the excessive anything at all. They don't show her. There was no... So it was just like a non-issue for me that she went to this fancy place. One of my favorite things in the book was where Effie, who's a mentor-type lady, the pink lady. Yeah. And she, they do it in the in the movie, which I was glad, is where they're getting on the train and she says, the best part about this is that you can experience all this yeah. stuff before you... Go, yeah. You know, like, be, like all you'd be thinking getting on that train is, okay, I'm on my way to my death. Yeah. And she's like, no, this is awesome. But you the bonus is... Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. I, I, um, and there's no explanation of her whatsoever. She's just not... She's just like this weird... She's the men... She, but they didn't call her anything. She's nothing. She no, just... and she's very explained. But she's the mentor. She's your how you should behave kind of lady. And they don't say that. She shows up for the reaping, and then she's there all throughout. And there's yeah. no explanation why or what she is or what her importance is or should they listen to her. She's never forceful about. She doesn't teach them anything. She reprimands them a little bit here and there, but just sort of in a snotty way. To me, she was just there to represent this sort of, as we said, bourgeoisie. The white makeup and the big white hair and the weird colorful clothes that I imagined from whatever period of time we have where the rich people were oblivious to the pain of others and just sort of overindulged. And That's what it is, yeah. But there's no reason for she's her. She's a great character in the books. And, you know, she's, she's not... She's potential to be a great character in the movie. Yeah, she is. And she's... But again, empty. Yeah. There's no other thing to her. Um, But... Uh, talking about it. She does a good job. She's played by Elizabeth yeah. Banks. Um, <laughs> she always does a good job of those sort of quirky. Yeah. You know, you might not even know it's Elizabeth Banks looking at her though. But I cuz she never breaks the makeup. No. Um so we've got Willow Shields playing Primrose Everdeen who's, you know, um Katniss's sister. She's not in it a lot. No. But she is I really fine. like her. Yeah, I, I want more of her in it, you know. <laughs> right. But obviously she's not. Was she how she was described in the book? Yes. For you. Yeah, and you know they had the nice little detail of she never tucked her tail in, and they oh, yeah. covered that like with Katniss always saying "tuck your tail in." That right, was right. one of the things because she was always a scruffy little kid, and she always wanted it to be better, proper, like you know. Um, so Josh Hutcherson plays Peter Malak. He's the um, what do you call him? He's the second contestant in the Hunger Games for District Twelve. Right. Um, he's the weakest thing for me. Yeah, sometimes. But he's good a lot of time. It's yeah. just that, I first of all, I have no background on his character whatsoever. They give me no information on him other than conversations with her and the little flashbacky thing that made me think he was a jerk. And yet I'm supposed to root for him. But he's not enough of a jerk for me to go, oh, anti-hero. He's just... It barely scrapes the surface. Yeah, I, I, th- I think nothing. that's my problem with him also. Well, in the movie at least. I don't care for him one way or another. Nope. When I'm su- when he's supposed to be Mr. Number Two that we are supposed to care for, well, it gets to a point where we're supposed to really care for him, as Katniss would. But he's really flat for me. Like yeah. I, I, like I, there's other kids who die in here that I care for more than him, which is wrong. Like, because there's the um, yeah, the one who says about Rue. Yeah. I only see him for split seconds, yet I'm interested in him more than I am Peter, which is wrong. 
Because Pete's supposed to be my hero at that And point. I don't know if it's... I don't think it's the kid. I don't think it's the actor that's the problem. Because he does a fine job, and in, when you think of individual scenes, he's personable, he does just what... But there's... The character hasn't been given anything for me. Like, nothing. Like, literally nothing. I like... What I do like about him, though, is how he understands how he's supposed to act in the capital. Like he... Like he grabs um, Katniss's hand and puts it up uh, and when he's being interviewed by the interviewer he knows what he's going to turn the people on like he's, he's understood how to behave to get further in the games hmm. uh, I didn't really get that well when he sits down and he's like smell, smelling because he knows that that's going to be or when he wants to he, he tries to grab her hand and put her hand but up it doesn't with. work it doesn't, but I like I like the way he <laughs> I saw no result he knows. From, but I saw no result from that. So to me, that's a nothing. Like, an, like oh, well, he's just being cheeky or, or scared or... I just thought he put it across well as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know there is no... It doesn't do him any good, but... Uh, Lenny Kravis plays Sinner, uh, and Sinner's, like, the costume designer for Katniss and Peter. Um, and he's only in it briefly. Very, but I think he like... did a good job. But I don't, oh, yeah, he and, you know, he's not time. an actor... Lenny Kravis we don't really see him in things no. but I, I felt he did a good job of those scenes and they're very personal small scenes I mean it's nothing yeah you know he designs a jacket and he has a bit Sets of a connection on fire. <laughs> yeah um, Stanley Tukey plays Caesar Flickerman he's always good <laughs> really good and you know an interesting flamboyant character yeah. that he plays here I love totally it. accepts his role in it all. Like, there's not even a hint of anything. He is the presenter for this horrific and yet completely... He is the announcer for the gladiator fights, right? He's the guy who just stands up there and he's the commentator, like a sports commentator, yeah, also. talking with a smile on his face about how you see this kid bashing this kid's head in with a brick and, oh, look how this... You know. Remember this great scene. And yeah, then exactly. it shows you a kid getting his head stoved in. Yeah, it's yeah like but you don't really, see the, hit, the kid. No, but head. you see yeah. the blood on the brick and stuff. Yeah. What I mean is, that's what he's seeing with a smile and a chirp in his voice and it's nothing. Yeah. You know, it's a great moment from past It is Hunger the Day. song, you know, the um, Dirty Laundry song. As this announced, the newsreader says with a smile on her face that the dictator died today or whatever. The plane yeah. crashed, you know. Right. That's what it is like. And uh, Donald Sutherland pops up here as President Snow. You know, always adds a commanding and he's the president. I disagree. And I think Donald Sutherland's so creepy to me. I really like him a lot. <laughs> I um, don't, I've not liked him for years. It's not a hu- even though he's a huge part in the Hunger Games, he's not a huge part in this movie. He's, he's the president. He so. comes up to me. More like a psychotic than like an authority figure. Like a person who has this, this is all I have to go on. Because I don't know. All I can surmise is he's like, he's like, he's gone psychotic somehow. And it's all about him controlling it all. But you don't see any of that. I just have to pee. I don't know because I have nothing to go on. the, The part where he's talking to the game maker about hope. Is a good moment, I thought. Yeah. And it is a clue. That, yeah. that is a clue as to the situation there, yeah. there for somebody, you know. And that is a good scene. I really liked how it was because it's saying a lot in, in a very small thing. Um, and then finally, I, I wanted to put down um, Amanda Ste- Stenberg as Rue. Mm, yeah, she's, she's very good. She's good. She's in it briefly. Um, 
And there's all the other kids who are in it. Yeah. They're all good, like, but they're so underused. Yeah, you don't see them much. No, it's like, there's all these kids, and now there's less kids, and now there's less kids, <laughs> and here's your heroes. Like, yep. that's kind of how it goes. And in the book, you get to explore the other kids a little bit more. Whereas in this, they couldn't really do that. It would have been really long, you know? I mean, this um, is two hours and 20 I minutes. I disagree. There's loads of time that this movie takes to follow... He got really, I feel like the director, even the writer, maybe, they got too wrapped up in it being her experience. And that's where I lose the the story. There's so much time of her just either sitting or just walking. I mean, we're talking about trimming seconds off of individual moments so that you can devote then to a couple of seconds of something else to fill in, like give it a little more... Everybody else is important. Everybody else is being scared. Everyone else, these kids are really super vicious and these kids are helpless. You don't get any of that except in a very split second, this is the alpha male guy who's going to try to slit everybody's throat and this is the poor little kids who are the victims. I mean, there's nothing else and it doesn't do anything for me. So One of the moments I really disliked was where they'd all had their um, evaluations and they were, be given, they were given these scores. You get a score from, what, 1 to 12, was it? I think so. Um, and it, they were showing it on the, on the TV and everybody, uh, well, Katniss and Peter were sat with their group and you were seeing it from this angle. And it was music played over the top of it until it got to their point. So it was like, Here's a guy, and he's got a seven, and here's a guy, a girl, and she's got a five, and the and even the even saying who they were, you couldn't hear it because the music was swelling yeah. up, and then when it got to them, it all went quiet and time slowed down a little bit because theirs took a little bit longer to say. I didn't like how that was played out. I would have played it out of everybody's as important as everybody else here. Like here's tough guy, and here's like give yeah. them all a, a longer period, like because. I think that would have been an opportunity for us as the audience to understand who everybody is. And connect a little more for when they do. Yeah. Because they do it in the training by saying, yeah, look, there's a kid over there who's really paying attention to everything and he looks really tough. So he's the guy who's really tough and he's going to pay. They just did it. Oh, and here's the girl who's stole the thing and she's up there. It's so brief. And then... When they showed the girl up there, and it was kind of fun that she'd stole the knife, and she was up in the ceiling, and they showed her so briefly, I can't remember which one stole the knife. It was Rue. Yeah, but I mean, I can't. What I'm saying is, I can't. The way, I'm not talking about that specifically. Oh. I'm talking about the way they show everybody quickly. Oh yeah, I get you. Um, I have that in my head of okay, so that fun thing. I don't know which one it was anymore, so I don't really care when they come to the games. Yeah. Whereas in the book, like I say, because time is spent on each one, you understand who each one is when they finally get the... So to me, they're all nothing. Yeah, I can imagine they would be. <laughs> like, like a big blur of kids. Yeah. Like a big ball of kids. And, and... I don't care. I know somebody's going to turn out to be the dickhead of the group, of obviously, who's been groomed to just murder everybody, with like ruthlessly and with a smile on his face. And then that happened, and then he's going to have his little band of people who are going to stick to him, even though they're idiots, because in the end he's going to kill them anyway, kind of thing. And that happened, sort of. Lord of the Flies. Yeah. These, it's yeah. just an age-old thing, isn't it? The way humans work. Like, well, you know, Survivor, the the uh, TV shows. If I get in with those people, yeah, then maybe I've got a better chance, and maybe I can slip by them while they're all... Yeah. You know? <laughs> We're, we're very predictable, right? <laughs> yeah. 
So um, this is directed by Gary Ross, who also directed Seabiscuit um, and Pleasantville, which I think is a very underrated movie. If you've not seen Pleasantville, you really should. It's actually one of Tobey Maguire's first performances, but it's so unique, that movie. There's not a movie like that movie. One of his first. It was only a few years ago. It was 12, 13 years ago. Seabiscuit? No, um, Pleasantville. Oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe 15 years ago. Yeah, yeah. It's a fantastic movie. I bet a lot of people didn't see it, but it's got such a unique... um, I would say gimmick, but it's not a gimmick. Reese Witherspoon. Yeah, it's a really interesting... um, Seems a bit weird at first, yeah. but once you grasp the concept of it, it's a really, really nice movie. Um, the only yeah. complaint I have about him is he's just, he's overly, he sentimentalizes, sentiment, overly sentimental about things that, that, that fog, I don't know, they blur, muddy up the story, you know, and I, that's my problem with him when I think back at these movies you're talking about. He also wrote Big, the Tom Hanks movie Big, which is a great movie also. Um, I don't have any complaints about that movie. I just think it's a really good yeah, movie. Yeah, no. Uh, the the script, the whole thing. I just it's one of those like evergreen movies that you could always watch, put it in and watch it. You know, like Groundhog Day. <laughs> wow. Now there's like something very. Day. I don't know. It doesn't matter what year it is. It doesn't matter if it seems a bit dated. It's just a great story. Like you know. Um. I put Elf in there too. <laughs> it's just like time, like timeless. I mean, it's, yeah, Elf is like Will Ferrell being funny as an elf, but it's sweet. It's that's my problem. He yeah. go, he, he wants to tug at the sweet, the love, the romance, and when you're throwing at him this huge concept of an oppressive human horrific thing, he's plucking out from me the issues that don't feed the story they don't serve the story as well as they could have so hopefully another director will take a different approach yeah so um the this is the two disc um digital copy uh blu-ray and it comes with two discs one's the film and the second is the extras and the extras uh there's a whole it's the making of the hunger games and it's like um one hour 30 minutes it's uh broke down into sections covering the writing of the movie all the way to the premiere of the movie but it covers everything in between special effects the whole lot really good documentary yeah. uh, if you're a fan you're going to like that one there's also some other stuff there's uh, the propaganda film that's in the movie that you see briefly on the screens at the back where you see it in full um, and there were things that I didn't notice because they kept going yeah. to the crowd didn't they so you didn't see all yeah. that um, there's also um, preparing for the games a director's process these are featurettes a conversation with Gary Ross Letters from the Rose Garden, Controlling the Games, The World is Watching, Making the Hunger Games, yep, and uh, Suzanne Collins and the Hunger Game Phenomenon. So it's it's a whole disc full of extras. Can't really ask for more. Um, but you could. I feel like the extras, that particular last extra you mentioned, Suzanne, whatever, yeah. and the Hunger Game Phenomenon, the people involved in putting together this, making the movie, and everything, they're too enamored with what is a phenomenon, quote-unquote. It's not really a phenomenon anymore when a movie becomes huge. I mean, we're very, it's very common nowadays for a movie and a book to become world-famous and then, boom, we're on to the next one, and boom, we're on to the next one. But they're too enamored with it. They love it, and are it's cool, and it's hip, and it's now, and it's like everybody loves it, and so we treat it with a certain 
I don't know. It's the extras even had a little bit up their own ass a little bit. I mean, I like hearing the director talk a lot about it, but no one seems to have stepped back from this at all. Everyone's just a little too in love with it, I think. And what's missing here is a director's commentary of any kind. Uh, there's none. I think um, that's okay. I really like the cover. Um, it's a picture of Katniss really close up with kind of fire going on, which is mm-hmm. obviously... Um, but, I, yeah, I do like It's it. obvious to you, but the fire means nothing to me. Watching right. the movie, uh, the fashion designer lit her on fire for her suit. Yeah. Coming in with the other people to make her stand out. That was never mentioned again until she stood up in a dress and twirled around and the bottom caught on fire. And that was it. One person said she's the girl on fire. But then I'm thinking, well, yeah, because they saw her in that dress. and It means nothing to me. Like it's, like it's a detail that was completely lost on me. Yeah. And to you, you've said it's a huge deal in the book. So, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, it is, there's more to it than that. But um, exactly. I don't want to spoil anything. But, <laughs> um, yeah, and you know, when they try and control her, mm. they use fire, right? Right. Um, okay. There's okay. a fire motif uh, associated with her, which really okay. isn't explored fully. Nope. Cause, uh, but it kind Not of, at all. Kind of uh, surface detail, isn't it? Yep. So... Um, <laughs> In conclusion, I've been really looking forward to seeing The Hunger Games. I, I did enjoy it a lot, only be well, not only because I, I've read the book, because I enjoyed it. I liked how it looked. I liked the people in it. Um, I got a kick out of seeing the uh, opening ceremony where they all came down in chariots. I, I was like, how are they going to do that? It's huge. Right. And they did it, and it looked a bit green screeny to me in the movie. But it seemed appropriate in some way. I don't know. It right. Seemed... It seemed like such a throwaway time for me. I felt like I don't... It's one of my favorite parts of the book. Right. And to me, it was like, really, they're too far away and I can't see them very good. And I don't get the... I understand the, like, over-the-topness of it all because the society has become really shallow and all that. But then it was... It just didn't mean anything. You know what I mean? And I, I had a feeling... The description in the book, because knowing it's a book, must have been really grand and really you filling in all these details. But watching it on the screen, it was a little bit. It was for the person who read it, <laughs> you know, not for me who was sitting there going, "It's really grand, but they're like this big. On they're like so far away, and I, I don't, you know." <laughs> somebody, I was going to say somebody started mowing the lawn. Then I just did or chainsaw or something. It's very late at night. And yeah, it's dark, so I don't know what's going on there. Um, so yeah, I really liked it. I'm looking forward to seeing what a new director does with the second. Yeah, part. I am actually as well. Yeah. Um, so thanks to Lionsgate for the Blu-ray. Uh, if you want to go and enter a contest, go to aschoolie.com. Got two contests this week. Win a cos. What do you say? How do you say it? Cosmopolis. 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 I don't know. Whichever way you say it, it's David Cronenberg's latest movie. You can go to aschoolie.com and win a signed poster by David Cronenberg. And I've got a new contest this week to win a copy of High School on DVD. It's a uh, new comedy. Um, high School meaning high school. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you can win a copy of that on DVD. Uh, next week's Blu-ray movie review. It's a movie that's been out for a while. We just never got around to it, but we're going to do it next week. And it's Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene, starring um, Elizabeth. The girl from the movie we watched the other day. Elizabeth Olsen. Correct. So, yeah, we're going to review that one next week. Um, And the movie game we play at this point in the podcast is what? What is that? Movie memory one, two, three. That means one of us says to the other, name three movies that have this in it. 
You have to right. remember it. You can't look it up. So, so based on the up. Hunger Games, female heroes, a.k.a. heroines. Well, that's an easy one. Um, <laughs> you like context. Actually, actually, it was uh, young, like younger. Like, hmm. not like, well, it can be any, it can be female heroes. Okay. Female heroes. Female leads that are heroic. Right. Well, I'm going to say, I don't know why, but off the top of my head, because I have a picture of Laura Croft right over there. She's like a female lead. Absolutely. I don't know how much of a heroine she is. But, but she's heroic. Um, In fact, she was the first one I thought of. Oh, why does this one always come to my mind? Aeon Flux. Yeah. I guess because she's, she's actually doing it for a greater cause. Um, and Alien. Yep. <laughs> and, how, and Resident Evil. Yeah. There's um, got to be others. There's a lot. Catwoman. Yeah. <laughs> Any superhero movie with a woman. She doesn't count. She doesn't <laughs> No. Well, at least Halle Berry's Catwoman doesn't count. No. The new Catwoman can. Yeah, we can't. We can't vouch for her because we've <laughs> no. not seen it yet, but we will soon. Um, so, yeah, that's movie recommendation. I didn't mean it to be hard. I knew that would be easy, but it would be fun right. seeing what we came up with. So, movie recommendations this week. I am going with, on the Hunger Games, um, The Truman Show, which is... The Hunger Games brings it to mind to me. Um, it's a closed the in. The Truman Show's a better movie, obviously. Obviously. One of the best. And the other one's The Running Man. Yeah. Which yeah. is all similar Hunger Games. A broadcast, games. huge... Well, Truman Show's just showing you the life and times of a, of a person growing and unaware of it. And then The Running Man is like this, where it's a spectacle. It is a big deal that everyone watches and cheers for death, basically. Same concept. The Running Man's really dated... Um, it is, but it's a great concept. It is a really good concept, but the actual Arnold Schwarzenegger yeah, doing yeah. his one-liners thing, I can take it or leave that. Oh, yeah. So, you know. But it's pretty vicious. It is pretty, very vicious, yeah. actually. Very vicious. Um, Truman Show is just one of the best movies ever made. I agree. I um, agree completely. Do you know what the uh, tagline for the Truman Show is? It's uh, on the air, unaware. Oh. It's a good tagline. Didn't tag know line. that. Yeah. yeah. It should be. Good morning. Good evening. Yeah, but it's and on the air, on the way. And mine are the Warriors, only because that comes to mind this sort of like horrible future, horrible um, factions and uh, fight to the death. Like you're you're hunted, you are you know, and it's it's accepted by everyone, and it's like, and you know, it's that kind of vicious society. And um, the other opposite end of that is the Goonies, which is another group of kids dealing with. A very scary and dangerous situation. Adults who are could potentially be really vicious and horrible, and do try to you know try to put his hand in a blender, which is like they find a dead body and they're you know they want to kill him basically. To so you don't if you don't think of the hard side of that movie, you don't realize these kids are in like really really <laughs> hardcore danger. But I love the Goonies too. It's one of the best. The Goonies too. The Goonies as well. There's yeah. no Goonies too. No, unfortunately. Thankfully. Oh, thankfully. Yeah. Depending on who you ask. Every movie doesn't need a sequel. So, um, games and A Scully stuff this week. I've been playing more Sleeping Dogs, and then I ran into this horrible error. Um, this doesn't happen. Let me real. tell it from my side. I'm in the kitchen. I'd made supper. I'm doing the dishes, and all of a sudden, and after knowing for the last couple of however long you guys have been playing it, thirty-eight you know, my nephew, hours, right? And knowing day after day, week after week, you wait all week because well, you play a little bit, but then when my nephew comes, you play together and hand back and forth to do different things. It's been a couple of weeks. Thirty-eight you know? hours. Well, I'm thinking in my terms. I know that you've been playing this game for at least a few weeks over since and over. it came out. So I can... and. 
all of a sudden I hear, oh, Hayes, we just lost everything. Everything's gone. And I'm like, what do you mean? And you're like, it's gone. We Everything we've done in the whole game, we hit a glitch and it's all lost. Right, and the glitch is, so if you've played this game, you've, this glitch is recreatable as well because I went online and there's many people that it's happened to. But you don't want to recreate it. Don't recreate <laughs> it. So I'm telling you the specific set of circumstances that this glitch will occur. So we were two missions away from the end of the game. We collected everything in the world, which was a massive undertaking. Collecting all the lockboxes, every single car, every piece of clothing, everything. We'd done everything you can possibly do in the game by two missions that are left. Two story missions. And one of the achievements is to get triad score, which comes off doing missions. If you do missions for the triad, you level up in triad score. And one of the achievements is get to level 10 in triad score. And we were at level 8 with only two missions remaining. So we thought, if we just do the two missions, we won't get to level 10. So there's there's a mechanism in the game where you can go into the menu and replay missions that you've previously done and still get score you know get the score from them so we went back to the very first mission because it's very easy and said replay mission we replayed the mission and finished it and got some triad score and then when we went back to the map um all our progress it thought we were on level two it thought we were on the second mission all the missions were locked again Everything that occurred in the story, everything that we'd collected, was not collected anymore. And you had no separate saved game that you could go back to or anything? It's an autosave type of game, so there is no other save. It just autosaves into this slot. And that slot had been messed up by whatever happened. So And other people done exactly what you had done. Exactly that. It's, go- it's going back doing missions before you complete the game. And did they do that on purpose? So you'd no, be discouraged? it's, it's mm-hmm. a bug. So now what we have to do is go... Some you, of the stuff, you lose your enthusiasm, though, don't Some you? of the stuff we collected, we still have. Like, we did karaoke missions to 100% and stuff. They're all done. Oh, right. But none of the story missions are done. So we've got, like, instead of having two missions left, we've got 32, which is, Doesn't make like, you not want to do it Well, it's again. like 10 or 15 hours of gameplay that we've already done. I'll do it. I'll just plod through it one mission a day or something. But it's really annoying. Because um, I was trying to get the hunt, all of the achievements, right? So we spent a lot of time looking for all these lockboxes. So all you won't do that again? We don't need to do that again because it still remembers that we've Right, gotten. so you'll still get all that. We don't know because there's one achievement that says finish 100% of everything. And this mess up has caused some things to appear like they were not done, but they're still not there anymore. Oh, I get you. Right, so it says you haven't completed this, but they're not on the map anymore because of the mess up. So I get you. I might have to restart Start the entire over. thing all over. You might again. as well before you get any further. You know where everything is. It's not going to repopulate anywhere else, right? When you get a box and the. I've got other games to play right now, so yeah. it's like maybe when I want to play Sleeping Dogs again in a year. You kind of went from, what is it? Hong Kong Mob to. What's the next game you're going to play? Oh, the game we are playing right now is a Lego Batman 2. <laughs> right, so there's a big switch over there. Which is a, another open world game, funnily enough. It's like you drive around the city, you do all the things. It's a Lego game. It's one of the best Lego games. It's really fun. It's got the split screen mode. You can co-op it all the way through. Um, been playing that a lot. It's really fun. You even had a game. Well. A little bit. For about five minutes. It's fun. You know, you collect studs, you 
Um, so Lego Batman 2. Um, I haven't played Darksiders 2 yet, even though I have it. It's still there. I've not played it because I've been playing Sleeping Dogs and Lego. I'll get around to it eventually and talk about it. I also played a game on PlayStation Network this week called Retrograde, and I showed you that. You was watching me play it. It's a backwards shooting game. Yes. So imagine a side-scrolling shooting game, like a uh, spaceship that scrolls along and enemies come and you shoot them. Imagine that you got to the end of that game, and then to win the game, you had to play the entire game backwards by going backwards in your ship and sucking all the bullets up. Yeah, but you didn't shoot all the bullets. Well, uh, pretend you did. I know, but you didn't in this game. No. But you did. The bullets have been shot. Somebody did, because it shows you the game at the beginning being played. But then it says, due to the space-time continuum, you have to play this game backwards from now on. So it plays backwards. It's a rhythm game, essentially. Like Guitar Hero. You can can even play it with a guitar. Um, So what you're doing is you're sucking in the bullets that have been fired as the game is going backwards. And... It's really hard to explain. You have to press your X button as they hit your ship, obviously, because that's where you would have fired them. And then you have to switch lanes. There's lanes like a highway on Guitar Hero. And you have to avoid bullets that are coming from behind you. If you imagine... Mm -hmm. Because the bullets that are coming from behind you... Yeah, so it's dodging and pressing and it's all in time to the music. And it sounds really complicated and it kind of is when you look at it, but when you play it, it all makes sense. So that's Retrograde. It's on the PlayStation Network. And finally, on my thing this week, uh, I just wanted to say, uh, rest in peace, Mr. Tony Scott, because that was a bit of a shocker. I was completely shocked. I was in bed. I had my tablet out. And we, a friend of mine this week said, Tony Scott must mean a lot to you guys, because in all the podcasts you've you've spoke about him the most, I think, of any director. Really? Because you recommend these movies a lot. True yeah. Romance being yes. one of them. <laughs> my um, favorite. And my top five movies of all yeah, time. We are, True we spoke, I, sp- I love Top Gun. You know, I've spoke about him a lot. And I've said, you know, Man on Fire comes Underrated. Up. You've always said he's like, yeah. a, like, people don't recognize him at the same, you know, what you think. Yeah. Unfortunately, he took his own life, actually, this week, last week. Really a shocker to me. I hadn't. It's you know like I know it's always a shocker when somebody dies right but many other people died that day too and they but, did yeah and but I don't know I feel like you're missing out on what he could have done yeah that's one of your biggest sadnesses is that well there's not going to be another one then another movie that I can connect to him this whatever his vision is I always get it and like that's it like you've got a finite number of things now you can only yeah and, and a lot of my movie best movie going experiences Absolutely. have been down to the Scott Brothers true romance um kind of say I mean I was in a circumstance in my life literally physically in a circumstance where I was at a very unfortunate circumstance and watching true romance for the first time ever I was alone in a little shitty apartment alone no money no nothing and it happened to be on cause where I was had HBO and a little tiny cable box with the buttons on the front and a little tiny 19 inch TV shitty in a little teeny tiny living room. I had nothing but like a six pack of beer and some pizza. I had no money. I had nothing. And all of a sudden I'm watching, you know, I'm watching MTV and stuff. And then I turned to HBO and it had that HBO logo. Come on. Dun, 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 our feature presentation. And I'm like, okay, good. A movie's starting. You know, I had nothing else I could do sitting there. And it was almost like I was mesmerized from 
the minute it began. And then I, I remember sitting up and being like, oh my God. And like watching it with this like, and then I just wanted to watch it over and over. And I still will. I will watch it over and over. And I just think I'm so connected to it. It's given me lots of pleasure. And that was my, you know, that was for me too, because I was really into Quentin Tarantino. So I wanted anything with Quentin Tarantino's name. And that was Quentin Tarantino's first script. I wanted to see it, you know? Like Natural Born Killers I knew holds, nothing of Quentin Tarantino, so... Natural Born Killers holds a place in... Because it's, you know... And then I went on to start loving Oliver Stone movies, you know? So, um, Tony Scott is so... It wouldn't have been so shocking to me if he'd have died of natural causes or just died. But when they said he jumped off a bridge and killed himself, I was like, I don't know this guy. Surely, you know, he's probably going through some horrible thing and he killed himself, but it just seems really surreal to me in some way. Because we just watched Unstoppable, another great movie of his, which he did last year. Yeah. Um, weird. It's really weird. And you're talking about Top Gun's going to get he a new... He was about to make the sequel yeah. to Top Gun, um, which will probably still happen, but without Tony Scott, it's... I don't know. If he owns it, that could be sticky. You know what I mean? I don't think he owns it. Mm. He was a director for hire for that movie, you know? Mm, but it's right. what made him... I mean... When I saw everybody talking about Tony Scott dying, it was Top Gun. Then we can also talk about that the man who said, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind, also died today. He did. Everyone's important, though. And Phyllis Stiller also died. Phyllis Stiller. And you said threes. Yeah. And then the... I forget his name, though, unfortunately. It's not Buzz Aldrin. The other guy. Um, Neil Armstrong. Neil Armstrong, yes. That's awful. It's just the like. The first right, man on the moon. Neil no, Armstrong. first. Was he the first man on the moon? Yes. It was Buzz Aldrin, the first man who stepped on the moon. I never remember. Well, but, he said it. Um, and we talk about these people as if they're more important than anyone else. Because thousands of other people died on the same days today in horrible circumstances that no one will ever know about or speak of. And yet you feel like when it's right in front of you and. If it has any impact on you, you think it has an impact on you. Like, Tony Scott dying has an impact on you because you won't get future movies. And now every time you watch one of his movies, you'll think of him and commit suicide. And it's such a self-indulgent thing to think about. And yet, with Tony Scott, he was a person with a family and something was going on. And all the other people who died that day had similar, you know important to the world and I just think we forget about that but Phil Stiller yeah you know she's pretty old I also she wanted, had a long life I also wanted to say like F the the media who was, <laughs> who was saying and this really got on my goat last week that Tony Scott was always living in the shadow of his brother Ridley Scott because he wasn't living in any shadow his movies speak for themselves the, one, the movies that he made that are nothing to do with Ridley are as good as Ridley's movies He's not like some hack that's like... I heard that said this week. You know, he's just oh dear. Copying, his, copying his brother, trying to be his brother. No, he had his own style, as we know, of movie. He made billions of dollars off his movies. He didn't make billions of dollars because he was with Ridley Scott's brother. He made billions of dollars because he was Tony Scott making his movies. It really annoys me. Like, no, I know. They kept saying, you're very passionate like, about that. Every single thing I read, it was like, oh, he's living in the shadow of his brother. Did you want to just reach through the internet and punch him in the I'm face? Saying, like, I was kept thinking, Top Gun, it's one of the biggest movies of all time. Ridley Scott had nothing to do with it. Tony Scott was the director. How is that living in anybody's shadow? It's weird. You know? They just like to spin things, don't they? 
Yeah, and they're regurgitating what someone else said. Yeah, and, and that's why I read it everywhere, it because somebody else said it. And so, yeah, F so you. You experience that thing I have a lot, where people just say shit for, uh, because they're talking. Like, it doesn't even... Uh, I think that was what it was. And it was just annoying to me that somebody had killed themselves and people have to stab some other shit into yeah. the mix. Like, Because, like, come on. The guy killed himself. He has a huge career that was amazing. And he's a person. Yeah. And he's you're not talking a, he's about He's not a him. movie director. You know, and you're he's probably offending the whole family by saying things like that. Because Ridley's probably sat there going and hearing this and reading it and going, that's mm. not what happened. That's he not- probably isn't reading it. Well, he's probably heard or seen these news reports or, you know. Mm, I don't know about that. Hopefully not. Hopefully he's just, you know, whatever he's doing. Grieving. Making movies. Oh, grieving for the loss of his brother. <laughs> yeah. He might have taken a break. So, um, well, he might, we, for all we know, he might hate Maybe we his should brother. have a show one, in a few weeks that's just a tribute to Tony Scott. And we will talk about like four or five of the movies that we Well, we should just watch True Romance on Blu-ray. Because I do own it. And uh, review it. And to talk about for just him. Focus on him for a show. So, um, yeah, that's my stuff for this week. Um, rest in peace, Mr. Tony Scott. And Sid Talk, on a different subject, what's for dinner? I'm really hungry, so I'm hoping this awesome. is Awesome. Mm, maybe I'll have to get something. Then if you're really hungry, you might not be satisfied with what I have to offer you. We have leftover mashed potatoes, leftover vegetables. I was going to make some potato patties and then, like, some corn something or other. I have corn something in the freezer. Either patties or meatballs or veggie burger. I can't remember what we have. And uh, peas and corn to go with that, you know, as I like to mix them together. And who knew cookies for dessert? And we have the thin buns. I thought I might toast them to go with the dinner. Or maybe have your potato thing on them. You know, it's a mix them up. But then again, I also was thinking a pizza would be really good. So I don't know. The hu- the hung- <laughs> All the talk of the Hunger Games has made me hungry. Well, no, pizza. Not ordered pizza. No, no. I mean, go and get a crust and get some seasoning. Right. Um, you know, but... It's know. quite late. I think you should just do the leftover thing. It isn't late. It's Look, 9 o'clock. Look, I got a new clock. It's there. 9 o'clock. Yeah, I hate it. I love it. I love it. Ugh, I fucking hate things over those little sections of closets and shit. I, I, I can't help it. I like it. Unless it's full of, a, of, of like a series of things. I just... Okay, I'll put more stuff up. I was going to make you Pac-Man pictures to put up there. You sh- if you did, uh, that would come straight down. <laughs> All right, then. <laughs> Is that my that. challenge? <laughs> <laughs> and you've talked about that. That's fine. Yeah. All right, so um, advice, and then we'll leave the podcast. My advice for today is... I don't know how to put it in words. I put it on there in words, but... I find that I have had in my in my life, and I still continue to do projects that, and it could be anything. It could be that you've started a new job that consumes you late into the night, and you think about it every minute, and it exhausts you. It could be a project like when I was in high school, I would work on the float for the homecoming parade to the point of like sheer exhaustion because we know we have to be done by Friday, and you stay up till four in the morning working on it, and you lay on the wagon, and you fall asleep for two hours, and you wake up, and you've got glue in your hair, and you you do it, do it, and then when it's over, you have a certain euphoria and then a and then sort of a, a let down because it's like oh my god I look at all uh, i'm so exhausted i actually think that's those, what it's like playing video games when those, you play a game yeah, all the way through those, you have all that stuff and then you have a, i'm not oh. being rude or anything that's not doing anything that's not accomplishing no it's not to but i'm talking about the feeling i'm like talking a, about projects that make something that's what I'm coming from. I'm not knocking the video game thing. I'm saying my what I'm talking about here is to make something or make a project that 
has a deadline or an end or something. Even so much as like planning a family reunion where for me, I get so involved in it. It I will spend a little extra money and I'll think about it when I go to sleep and I won't want to go to bed a lot of nights because I'm thinking, well, I want to sort this and make this list and do this and work on this little knick and and do that. When I'm making a banner for somebody, I, once I get it started, I don't want to stop. I just want to do it all the way through, no matter how tired I is. Or my, I stand at the counter and do it so my feet get sore, my back gets sore. I don't care. It's like this exhilarating thing. And then when it's done, I do have a tendency, unfortunately, then to lazy out. And then the next project, I don't always get started on, even though I want to. I have this thing where it's like, oh, but the next one, I got to gear myself up. But when... If you never have those kinds of projects or you never do that at work where all of a sudden you decide to really dig your heels in if you have that kind of job where you can get off on this kick of a few weeks of working late and going early and have your laptop on your lap while you're sitting on your couch and still doing your work because you're happily doing it. Not like the miserable kind of project. You know there are those two. But at work, I've started doing this as well. I pick a project because I have that kind of a little bit of freedom where I can go, okay, now I'm going to focus on, we have like 300 procedures that we have typed up in books that if we have a task or a problem or a, I work in a data center, so there might be a, a problem with the mainframe or a network. Now, I don't solve those problems myself, but I might be the only person or my group of operators, we all work 24-7 around, you know, shifts. We might be the only one that's seeing the problem first. It could be 2 in the clock in the morning on a Christmas morning and no one else knows it's going on. You have to then find the procedure and figure out what's going on and call the right people so they can fix it. Well, we have these procedures for these things. And I might come across a procedure and it's really shitty. It doesn't make sense. It's not well written. It's not formatted nicely. So what I've started taking to do is like... Everyone else just accepts it and like, oh, whatever, who cares? We'll just put up with it next time. And I've decided I'm going to make a project each time and really focus on them and do a good job at it and be looking forward to working on it the next day and spend a little extra time on it and feel that sense of accomplishment when I'm done with it and it's a success. Then find another project. At home, I do it with you know the banner. Now I've decided to draw pictures of all my family members. That was more of a temporary, he pointed to the picture of framing his cards, which is true. But that's a very temporary one that I knew was going to be compartmentalized. It was a two-hour project and it would be over. Still with a feeling of accomplishment. But now I've decided I'm going to draw like a caricature of everybody in my family, hopefully by Christmas. I'm very slow about these things. And I might not feel like they're good enough to show everybody, but that's my new project. So that I'm looking forward to either photographs of everybody or using photographs I have and then trying to study up on caricatures and figure out how to draw people to make them look like themselves. What positions do I put them in to make it funny and uh, relate to who they are? And so this project will last, obviously, through to Christmas, if I really do it. And there's just something about them. Now, one could say, well, my thing of doing a banner is no more productive than you finishing a video game. Fair enough, because for you... You feel the sense of accomplishment and satisfaction and entertainment and all that. And that's what it is for me, I guess. I just feel like at the end of it, I have something tangible to either... I have achievements. (laughs) Well, I can either give it to someone to also make them happy, which I find very nice. Or it's something I just tuck away. Like, 
I take so many photographs, and I actually, you don't even know, but I often take pictures, and I just have noticed over the years I've been taking this same picture, and then I tuck it away, and I tuck it away. So year after year, I'm compiling this series of pictures of a same thing, or it's a long-term project, but just gives me a sense of, like, each day you have a... And on all those days when I lose track, I mean, I don't lose track, I, I don't have a project to work on, or... I've dropped, I've spent too much time since I've picked up on one. I actually feel quite, ugh. I mean, I feel useless and mm, I don't get bored, but I guess that's what the feeling is of this like, ugh, what do I do now? I've got nothing interesting. And then if I pick up on one of these projects, it's like it gives me a boost and I'm satisfied. And so I, my suggestion is if you don't do that and you wonder sometimes that you're feeling a little bit I'm just going to sit here and watch, you know, my DVDs of whatever for six hours and go to bed. And my day off, I just wasted sitting here doing nothing. Maybe pick a project. Make something. Even if it takes a long time or many hours or you spend a little extra money on it. Stick through it. Maybe plan a family reunion. Plan your class reunion. Do something like that. Or do what I'm doing where you're planning a Christmas gift from now through to Christmas where it's kind of like it's going to require... Something. And I just think, do you have any of those projects that you do? Yeah, my website. Your website is podcast. absolutely. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> week after <laughs> And week. all the things that involve the getting of the movies and talking to people. And doing but that's it. never ending. Yeah. Do you feel like each week you've, it's like, oh, that was good. Now on to the next yeah. one. Is that how you Yeah, feel? like, you know, it's what's coming next. What, and you look forward to it week after week, the whole process. Yeah, believe it or not, planning all this out and everything. And getting these movies and, blah, and speaking with the PR people and all that stuff. It's all a thing. You get like that excitement when the boxes come to the yeah. door and when you get an email from somebody or you're going to pick the movie or even when you're making the templates for the website, which I know can be tedious, but Correct. you feel like at the end of a, 10 of those, you're like, oh, that oh, this Or uh, this magical show <laughs> notes that comes up every, every week, you know. I just know. think there are people who don't ever do anything like that. And if they feel like there's something blah, there's something missing, there's something... I just go to work and I come home and I drink some beers or I don't do anything. I just come home and I sit here and watch TV, whatever. If you feel like something's missing, find something maybe to do. And just quickly, (laughs) because we're nearly out of time, just quickly before uh, we go, we had a tree, uh, we had a tree removed from our garden yesterday uh, by a tree, by an actual tree company, not by us. Yeah. And they came and they brought a big massive wood chipper and a big bucket thing that they went up in the sky and chopped <laughs> it. And it was a huge tree. I'm not talking like a little tiny tree, a huge tree. They removed it. They trimmed all our trees. You wouldn't know anything that happened apart from it looks better. Yeah, you wouldn't know that tree was ever there and it was no. probably there for 30 years. And they have this crazy machine that's like a, a, like a the thing <laughs> stump off, grinder. off dune that like drills into the ground. It's like a stump a, grinder, so it just grinds, grinds, it's grinds. It's like a robot. It just, Unfortunately, uh, our magnolia tree had died from the drought for uh-huh. the summer. I don't know if anyone, uh, there are other people who are going to be experiencing this. It had actually died within the last few weeks. I knew something was wrong with it. And the leaves were all brown, and the guy, the young guy looked at it right away, and he was like, you want us to go ahead and get rid of that, too? And I'm like, oh, are you sure it's dead? And he went over and, like, snapped a branch, and he held it up, and he's like, yeah, she's gone. And I'm like, okay. And then within, like, five minutes, they had... Yeah, it's amazing, because it was a tree, a huge tree. And that tree was also dying, so we wouldn't take down a tree if there wasn't a reason. I had the others trimmed. Not the magnolia tree, the other tree that we've got. It's this humongous tree. 
a soft humongous, maple. Humongous. It's 60 it, feet high. It shades huge. the entire house. It's so big. And now, if you look at the ground where it was coming out of, and <laughs> no. it was what? How big across, would you say? Like, oh, no, it was big. you couldn't get your arms around it. No, right. And now, it doesn't even look like there was any... Even the ground looks... And we'll say, we had four huge trees in our house. Ha- we have two front oaks and two maples in the back. We now have three. So it's not like our little, pro- no, our got, little plaza. It's not like we got rid of it. And we it was dying in the tree. So that's why, why we finally... It was in bad it. condition, unfortunately. We're hoping that all the squirrels and birds have relocated themselves so happily. So the tree next to it. Because um, the guy was quite methodical and slow about it. it was, he wasn't, you know, so that was it was interesting to watch. I have loads of pictures. Yeah. I have before and after pictures. So you can go to SidTalk.com and see them. Yeah. All right. So thanks for listening to the show. Remind you about our website, SidTalk.com. SidTalk.com. You can catch us on all the social networking sites, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Catch the podcast on the Zoom Marketplace. Go to iTunes and look for after the show. You'll find it on there. You can also find it on aschoolie.com. Click on the word podcast, subscribe, email feedback to me at aschoolie at Don't email Sid Talk because she don't give a shit. (laughs) (laughs) That is not true. Um, no one ever emails me, so it's not like I'm telling people to stop the flood of emails. Exactly. And, uh, I get none. Stay classy, Katniss Everdeen. Really looking forward to seeing the next fictional. one. Fictional. Correct. Fictional. Fictional. All right, then. Stay classy, Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, I'm looking forward to Catching Fire, which will be the next movie. And I am going to say, think for yourself, or someone will do it for you.